is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. going on guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is your monday night raw post show for september 4th 2023 i'm your host jd from new york as always coming to you live from the ots beer garden thank you guys so very much for joining me on your monday evenings wherever you may be man monday night raw tonight not really the most exciting of shows. Simply built around Gunther and Chad Gable and breaking the record. Could Gunther do it? Could Chad Gable break the record or break the streak? That's what Monday Night Raw was built around. And they did not disappoint. They never disappoint. I don't think Chad Gable could disappoint anybody with what he does in the ring. I don't think Gunther could ever disappoint anybody with anything that he does because Gunther's fucking incredible. Absolutely incredible. That's Monday Night Raw in a nutshell. And I want to start with that because that's the biggest takeaway from tonight's Monday Night Raw. Gunther defeated Chad Gable... And has now broken the honky-tonk man's record. I believe the record is coming up as a Friday or Saturday this week. As soon as this week is over, the record will be broken. The honky-tonk man is now in second place for the longest reigning intercontinental champion of all time. Gunther's number one. Chad Gable tried valiantly tonight with his family in attendance. And he failed to break the streak of Gunther. What do we do now? Where do we go with the Intercontinental title? Where do we go with Gunther? Now, before I get into what I would do, I'm going to give you guys a couple of options. Because they're realistically could still be a fourth match between Gunther and Chad Gable. If Chad Gable is not getting another shot at the Intercontinental Championship, who else is there on Monday Night Raw right now that is not in a major program or not set to be in a major program? Who is on Monday Night Raw now that realistically, you could see take the IC title off of Gunther. Right now, the way things are filling out on Monday, going into October, going into November, possible war games, right now there's nobody. Right now there's nobody. The only two men on this show, outside of Chad Gable, that I would even entertain the thought of beating 
Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship are Johnny Gargano, who hasn't been on TV in, in weeks. I don't know where the fuck he is. Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. That's it. And right now, Ciampa, he's not really in anything major. He's been campaigning for Johnny Gargano to be found. They did something tonight where Johnny Gargano possibly was a discussion because Tommaso Ciampa walked into Adam Pierce's office. I don't know if that has anything to do with bringing Gargano back. I don't know. I'll get back to Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa in a second. But outside those two names, there is nobody on Monday Night Raw. Zero. Now, if you want to dip into the NXT pool and maybe get somebody from NXT as a possible call-up to Monday Night Raw to maybe take the title off of Gunther, the only name that I could realistically think of is Ilya Dragunov. Maybe he joins Imperium. Maybe he joins the ranks and then kind of realizes that, you know, he is not a fit for the group. I don't really like that because... Even though he's Russian and he fits the whole Imperium theme, I don't think that would really make sense because at one point they were rivals. Why all of a sudden would they be comrades, friends? I don't really understand that. So I see a lot of people saying Ilya Dragunov has the potential to take the title off of Gunther, which honestly I don't mind because the matches that they put on on NXT UK and the last match that they had where Dragunov took the NXT world title off of Gunther... I mean, they were just absolutely incredible matches. So if you want to do that, that's a possibility. But you need to build up Ilya Dragunov as a potential on the main roster. And that's going to take some time to develop. You're not just going to put uh, Ilya Dragunov on the main roster and then all of a sudden, yeah, he's the guy. No, you got to give him some momentum. You got to put him in the oven and have him bake a little bit. You can't just put him on Monday Night Raw and say, yep, we're going to put the Intercontinental Championship on him when the crowd doesn't even know who the fuck he is. That is it. That is it. I don't really want to hear anybody else's name because there isn't anybody else. I see people mentioning Jay Uso. I don't know why Jay Uso. Jay, no, Jay Uso is not beating Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship. You guys could put that shit to bed right now. Jay Uso is not on the same planet as Gunther. Gunther has slayed them all. He couldn't beat Roman Reigns. You want him to beat Gunther? Give me a fucking break. They're basically on the same plateau, Gunther and Roman Reigns. They're both, right now, they're both gods of WWE. Roman's just a little bit higher than Gunther based on, on the longevity of the reign that he has, but no. No, I'm sorry. We're not doing Jay Uso versus Gunther. I'm sorry. Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, possibly an NXT call-up like an Ilya Dragunov. That remains to be seen. I see some people, I see some people in the chat also mentioning Sheamus. Now, that is something that I did not think about because I'm already envisioning WWE hopefully making sense of the whole finish the story. But that is a good point. That is a good point. What if, now I didn't think of this. I don't have everything, you know, all the time, but thank you to my fucking uh, VIPs in the chat. What if 
WWE trades Jay Uso to Raw, right? And actually, no, that's, that can't happen. Never mind. Never mind. Sheamus coming over from SmackDown via trade. Somebody's got to go to SmackDown, not the other way around. Never mind. Sheamus, listen, man, I'm still on the Sheamus thing. Sheamus is always a great possibility, but I see some people mentioning Sheamus. That's not going to happen because there's already a trade happening, and that's Jay Uso moving to Raw and somebody now from Raw moving to SmackDown. So Sheamus is not the option. No, thank you. Sheamus is not coming over. My point stands. Gargano, Champa, or Ilya Dragunov, or someone of that nature coming up from NXT. That's it. We've been through them all. Ricochet, you know, we, we've we've gone through Ali. You know, there, there are people on the roster that uh, you don't really see or hear about. You don't even know if they're employed anymore. Apollo Crews. There, there's nobody on that roster. There's nobody on that roster. Now, what I would do, what I would do is... If Chad Gable is not getting a fourth match, if he gets a fourth match, Gunther's losing the championship. There's no fucking way Gunther's beating this man four times in a row. Now, that remains to be seen. We don't know where they are going with this. They're going to need something for Fastlane. They're going to need some type of investment for Fastlane. We could absolutely get Gunther versus Chad Gable for a fourth time at Fastlane. Because they went out there and gave us, what What would they give us tonight? 12, 13 minutes with two very quick commercial breaks in between those 13 minutes. Which, you want to know why people complain about the match being on, on free television. This is why. This is why people wanted it on the PLE. If we get a fourth match, those guys have so much more to give instead of going 13 minutes. I mean, you're just waiting for them to break out 20, 25 minutes, maybe a submission match, maybe an Iron Man match, something along the way. They could squeeze something like that in if they want to make sense of getting a fourth match out of Chad Gable and Gunther. But that remains to be seen. So I'm not thinking about that right now because that should be the furthest thing from people's minds. Chad Gable lost clean tonight. There was no Vinci and there was no Kaiser. So why would you sit there thinking that Gunther is going to give Chad Gable another championship match when he's already proven his point? Chad Gable doesn't deserve another title match. He lost clean in the middle of that ring tonight. His end came at the hands of Gunther tonight. So if we don't get a fourth match, this is what we're doing, and this is what WWE should really seriously consider because you want WrestleMania moments this company's about moments. This company is about making legends, right? You're looking at one right now in Gunther. I don't give a shit what anybody says. This is exactly what needs to happen. And I'm going to say this once, and I'm going to say this only one time. WWE, if they don't get a fourth match out of Chad Gable and Gunther, Chad Gable needs to do something because he's already been elevated. Hopefully they move him slowly up the ladder. As far as Gunther's concerned, Gunther now should be aiming to win the Royal Rumble as the Intercontinental Champion. I would have Gunther win the Royal Rumble as Intercontinental Champion, challenge Seth Rollins for the World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania, 
Main event, night one of WrestleMania as the Intercontinental Champion against the World Heavyweight Champion Seth Rollins and win the World Heavyweight Championship while holding the Intercontinental Championship and the World Heavyweight Championship simultaneously at the end of night one of WrestleMania. Then on Monday, give up the Intercontinental Championship and hold a tournament to crown a new champion. As far as I'm concerned, Gunther should not be beaten as the Intercontinental Champion, and he should go on and have the longest reign ever and never lose the championship. There's nobody else that's good enough to beat him, so why are we going to manufacture somebody that's going to be less than believable? You might as well just go all the way with it. That's what I would do. You want to make a WrestleMania moment? You want to make a fucking icon? You want to make a legend? That's exactly what you do. Gunther Rollins, Gunther the new world champion. You close night one of WrestleMania with him holding both championships at the end of the night. Simple. Absolutely. I'm not doing anything but that. Oh, but JD, what about Cody Rhodes winning the Royal Rumble? No, that's why we have the Elimination Chamber in February. Cody Rhodes doesn't need to win a predictable second year in a row as Royal Rumble winner. Nobody wants to see that. What are you going to do? Cody Rhodes is going to the Royal Rumble. He's going to win the Royal Rumble, challenge Roman Reigns. Nobody wants to see that. That's way too predictable. Nobody wants to watch the Royal Rumble and have the winner already predetermined three months out. Give me a break. So that's exactly what I would do with Gunther and the Intercontinental Championship. Other than that, great match tonight. Absolutely fantastic match with Chad Gable. I could watch them wrestle all night long. But Chad Gable fell to the mighty Gunther on Monday Night Raw. Cody Rhodes. He was not on the show. We were spared woes tonight. He will be back on Raw next week because it's Monday Night Football and WWE is going to throw everything they got at Raw even though they will get demolished in the ratings. He will be on Raw next week. And Adam Pearce tonight, after the announcement on Saturday night at Payback, Cody Rhodes was on the Grayson Waller effect. And he said he used his political pull, whatever political pull he had, to manufacture Jay Uso being signed to Monday Night Raw. He came over from SmackDown. And he's on Monday Night Raw as a full-time roster member. Tonight, Adam Pierce told Jay Uso, listen, I know you got a lot of enemies around here. Nobody trusts you being here after what happened with the bloodline. But I'm telling you this right now. You being here means that somebody from this roster is going to be moved over to SmackDown via a trade. And it's not going to make people happy. Now, that last line is what people should really focus on. It's not going to make people happy. I don't know what that means, but it sounds like it's a big deal to me. Sounds like a major deal. It's not going to make people happy. Cody Rhodes is a locker room leader on Monday Night Raw. Why would Monday Night Raw want to lose their top babyface? That's number one. So it's not going to make those people happy. Number two... It's not going to make the bloodline happy when Cody Rhodes gets traded over to SmackDown in exchange for a bloodline member. 
or a former Bloodline member. So I like where this is going. Because all we asked was for WWE to make sense of what Cody Rhodes needs to do to finish the story. Now, again, you're going to have fucking geeks in the comment section, because I hear it already, or geeks in the fucking chat right now. JD, what if Cody Rhodes just wins the Royal Rumble? No, Cody Rhodes winning the Royal Rumble does not interest me at all. I don't give a shit. The Royal Rumble should be given to Gunther. He should have won it this year. No, but we had to give it to Cody Rhodes at a predictable number 30. Now you want me to go into another year for a Royal Rumble and have Cody Rhodes win a predictable Royal Rumble at what? Number one? Fuck out of here. I'm not, I'm not going through that again. I'm not. Because I'm already very, very low on Cody Rhodes right now because the story is basically non-existent. You want to pique my interest? This has my interest. A trade. A trade, Cody Rhodes for Jay Uso. Basically, that's what Cody Rhodes manufactured for himself. He wants to go over to SmackDown. He wants to eye the world championship. All Cody Rhodes should have in his mind is finishing the story. Why does he have to be on Raw? Why would he want to be on Raw if he wants to finish the story? He ain't finishing the story against Seth Rollins. He wants to finish the story against Roman Reigns. So Cody Rhodes, it would be in Cody Rhodes' best interest to do something to help Monday, to help Jay, and also help himself. Trade Cody to SmackDown and give us Cody and Roman on the same show during WrestleMania season. That's a little bit more believable. Then you open up the Royal Rumble to be a little bit more unpredictable and give us the match that we know we're getting at WrestleMania 40 anyway between Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns. I like this. The storyline potential for this, for the bloodline to be upset with Jey Uso, for Cody to be traded to SmackDown, and the bloodline thinking that Cody is over there because of Jey Uso and just all the inner workings about that. I mean, the bloodline needs something because right now they got nothing. I'm not interested in Jimmy's story. The bloodline story is ice cold right now. Seems like they're turning their wheels. They don't know which direction they want to go. Cody and Roman on the same show is going to make everything better. Because right now they got nothing. Nothing's going on over there. And right now Roman is on his little mini vacation. You think they need a major star over there? Because they got nobody over there. LA Knight's not enough. John Cena is not going to be enough. They need somebody else to do what they need to do. Additionally, Cody Rhodes and John Cena on the same brand, you know they want to get them in the ring together. You know they want to get them in a program together, whether it's working as a tag team or working together one-on-one. So it just makes sense to move someone like Cody over there because it checks every box that WWE is going to want on Fox during a contract negotiation season for a renewal. It just makes sense. Everything just makes sense. So I do think that Jay Uso moving to Raw is going to move Cody to SmackDown, finish the story, make sense of it. I'm glad they actually took initiative and are giving us a trade 
instead of just leaving it as is and Jay Uso being signed to Raw just for the sake of it. I like it. So I'm very intrigued by where they are going with that. Other than that, there wasn't really much else happening on Monday Night Raw. Sami Zayn is continuing the battle against the Judgment Day tonight all by himself. Kevin Owens seemingly banged up, fucked up from Saturday's tag team match where they lost the tag team championships. And we will get into what I think is going to happen with Sami Zayn. He's going to need some sort of backup. Jay Uso is there, but I don't think Jay Uso is going to factor into that as well. I think Jay Uso is going to do his own thing. He's going to have Sami as a friend, but I don't think Jay Uso is going to be backing up Sami Zayn against the Judgment Day. I got that reserved for two other guys that I hope to see on television regularly very soon. We're going to dive into this Monday Night Raw post show, guys. I thank you for joining me on the live stream tonight. We got a lot to talk about. Still not feeling well, man. I can't kick whatever. I have body aches and I got... I just feel like a weight is just coming down on my head, man. My voice is shot. Ugh. Hopefully, hopefully the next couple days I will start feeling normal again, but I apologize if I sound like shit, if I got a sniffle, if I got a cough. I thank you guys regardless for being here, man. It was a busy weekend, very busy weekend. We were live three different times on Saturday. Three different times, once for SmackDown, once for the CM Punk being fired by AEW stream, and then payback. So if you guys missed any content, man, Saturday was a very, very busy day. Go check out all that stuff, man. Tomorrow night, Andrew Baydala and myself will be rocking and rolling, talking about the punk drama on TNT episode number 12. It's going to be a banger, man. I know he's got a lot to say on that situation, and he's holding nothing back. Nothing back, man. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys follow me on social media at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Get those super chats in. We will hang out at the end of the show. As always, for what I call last call here in the OTS Beer Garden. This is one of the last times you'll be seeing the Beer Garden for the season, man. We'll be going right back into the original OTS venue. And we'll be shifting the scenery to my mother's basement. Very, very soon, man. Also, make sure you guys hit that join button. Become a channel member right here on OTS. Some great perks when you sign up. Those custom emotes, custom badges, early content when it is available. So hit that join button. 
And tonight's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Blue Chew. BlueChew.com, code JD at checkout. Make sure you guys sign up. Get your free sample. All you have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. That's BlueChew.com, code JD. I want to thank them, as always, for being a great friend and a great sponsor. Right here on OTS. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get into Monday Night Raw, man. We're going to start off at the top, and we start the show with Jay Uso, the newly acquired Jay Uso on Monday Night Raw. He made his entrance to the crowd, man. I'm loving the energy that Jay Uso brings to the show already, man. Whatever they got going on with his theme music and whatever they got going on with whatever he's doing there with the crowd, man, when they do the wide camera shot and they got everybody in sync doing uh, the uh, Jay Uso wave, I don't know what they're calling it yet, but it looks great. It looks great, man. So that's really that's really cool shit. I'm glad it's not another fucking sing along because I can't take the goddamn sing alongs, man. Listen, I love a good sing along, I really do. But WWE has made the sing along painfully uncool. That's all I'll say. Jay Uso starts the show. He comes walking through the crowd. He gets into the ring. We got a big Uso chant. Jay thanked everybody on Monday Night Raw. He says he's been gone only a few weeks, but he missed them, and it felt a lot longer than it did. He said he reached a breaking point, fighting his family week by week, He said, out of the blue, Cody called him, and now he's on Raw, and Uso is in your city. Sami Zayn came out, and we know the history between Sami Zayn and Jey Uso. I appreciate the fact that they are already acknowledging this, with Jey Uso being a new Raw roster member. He entered the ring. And said, it's crazy to see Jey Uso standing there. He says, it's true that there are a lot of people in the back who are not happy that he's here. Sounds like CM Punk. Sounds like something that CM Punk would be going through if he was a WWE employee. Sammy said, whatever problems those in the back have, that's not his focus. He said he wanted to look him straight in the eye. And said he is happy he is here on Raw. He said he is proud that Jay broke free and he knows how hard it was for him to do that. You truly are main event Jay Uso. He said there's a history between them and he doesn't expect them to be best friends, but he is proud of him. He offered a handshake. Jay puts his hands behind his back. Sammy dropped his hand thinking that he wasn't going to get a handshake in return. It's fine. Whenever you're ready, I'm here to talk, said Sammy Zane. Sammy turned to leave the ring. Jay says, Sammy, hold on. Wait a minute. Jay says it wasn't very oozy of him to do that. Jay then offered Sammy a handshake. Sammy moved in, and instead of a handshake, they hugged in the middle of the ring. Obviously, that is very oozy. Cole said that 
it had to feel good for Sammy and Jay Uso to finally embrace and come together after everything that they've been through. So Jay, Jay walks up the aisleway out of the ring, and Sammy, he's kind of in the area. Jay's walking up the aisleway, and as the first match is about to begin, Drew McIntyre walks down the aisle. And we know Drew McIntyre's history with the bloodline. Clash at the castle, McIntyre reigns, Solo fucked him out of a championship in front of 66,000 people. Drew McIntyre's not going to forget that. He looked at Jey Uso dead in the eye, and there was anger there all over Drew McIntyre. He walked away. Sami Zayn intervened and said, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's let's try and give him a chance. Drew McIntyre walks down the aisle. Matt Riddle comes out next because Matt Riddle's teaming with Drew McIntyre against the Viking Raiders. Matt Riddle looks at Jey Uso. And Matt Riddle's got a problem with the bloodline as well because the bloodline put Riddle and Randy Orton out of action. So Matt Riddle clearly has a problem, and he looked at Jey Uso very angry, and then he walks to the ring to get ready for his tag team match with Drew McIntyre. So I like the fact, this was a great segment. I like the fact that Jey Uso, already on Monday Night Raw, is starting out being the outcast because of his past mistakes. And Sami Zayn, everybody loves Sami Zayn. Everybody knows exactly what Sami Zayn went through. So the story here on Monday Night Raw is Jey Uso now trying to find acceptance with the Monday Night Raw roster due to his past mistakes and upsetting everybody else over the last three years. And Sami Zayn is going to be the mediator here. I don't know. Now, one question that I have is, Sami Zayn involving himself with Jay Uso already, Kevin Owens wasn't on the show. Is Kevin Owens going to have a problem with this? Is this going to lead to a breakup between Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens Now that Sami Zayn is trying to help Jey Uso get acclimated, because we all know how Kevin Owens feels about that, he left it for Sami Zayn to deal with. How much patience is Kevin Owens going to have when he finds out Sami Zayn is trying to get Jey Uso acclimated with the rest of the roster on Monday Night Raw? They lost the tag team championships. Does anybody see them winning those tag team championships back anytime soon? I don't know. I don't know. This may be WWE's way of splitting Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, potentially. That's also a question. Now, that may not happen, but it is a talking point that needs to be discussed. So there is a lot of different avenues WWE can take here with Sami Zayn and Jey Uso, especially with Jey Uso trying to find acceptance, coming to Monday Night Raw, having all of these enemies already. I thought this was a great segment. So we will see how this transpires. And this is exactly the type of story Monday Night Raw needs because right now they got nothing. They got nothing. The Judgment Day story has run its course. I mean, they got all the championships. I'm not really excited about where the fuck they're going with that. I mean, it's the same matches every single week. Seth Rollins at the top of the card doesn't feel like a top guy based on what WWE's doing to find him challengers. Nakamura is not doing it for me. I don't really care. WWE needs to find some solid challengers for Seth Rollins. Nakamura is not it. 
He's not it. So right now, WWE's got a potential major storyline here with Jay Uso. So I'm very interested to see where it goes on Monday night. I see. I see. Raging girl gamer with a $100 super chat. Cody finished the story. Then what's after the story? I see nothing but people hating Cody eventually. Also, thank you for retweeting my YouTube channel, hitting 2,700 subs. You have been a big inspiration. Don't ever change. Also, Braves still suck. Rage, I'm going to have to... uh... I mean... I mean, 90, 90 wins. Rage, we we got the first team to 90 wins, and we house the NL MVP. We may actually have the NL Cy Young as well. So exactly where do the Atlanta Braves suck? Huh? I'm gonna I'm gonna have to get you out of here. Listen, I'm gonna have to get Otis and the security here in the venue to get you out of here. I don't give a shit what you donate. Now, congratulations on 2,700 subs, though. We love you. So I like this segment. I thought this was very good. And we move on to the tag team match. Uh, Before that, before we get to the Viking Raiders, Drew McIntyre, Matt Riddle, there was a segment, a video package about Nakamura and Seth Rollins at payback. Now, Nakamura says he might have underestimated his grip on the World's Heavyweight Championship, but he was the one left standing on the battlefield. I know I am the reason you will release your grip. I will be the World Heavyweight Champion. That's what Nakamura said. None of one of those nice video packages. They made him sound really intimidating. So good stuff there. The presentation for Nakamura has been spot on, okay? Then we go backstage to Ricochet and Adam Pearce. They were talking, and Ricochet apparently wants an opportunity to redeem himself because he lost to Logan Paul at SummerSlam. Seth Rollins showed up. Pearce asked, whoa, 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 what are you, what are you doing here? You're not medically cleared. So Seth said he's the champion, and this is where he was ordered to be. Pierce says he knows he doesn't like it, but medical ordered him not to be here tonight. Seth said he's fine. If I can walk, I can fight. Ricochet then gets involved and says that he respects him for being there after what Nakamura did to him after their match at Payback. Ricochet says he doesn't have to carry the whole show by himself, though. Seth insisted that he was fine. So, WWE looks like they're continuing the Ricochet and Nakamura, or the uh, Seth Rollins, rather, and Nakamura story, but with Ricochet involved. Now, I'd much rather see Ricochet and Seth Rollins for the World Heavyweight Championship than another match with Rollins and Nakamura, but it looks like they may be setting up Ricochet and Seth Rollins at some point after Ricochet 
uh, you know, figures out what he needs to do here and after what Rollins figures out how to finish off Nakamura. So we, we may be going from Rollins-Nakamura to Rollins-Ricochet. I would like that. Now, I don't know when that's going to happen, but that definitely has me intrigued as well. I think that would be a fine match at the top of the card for the World Heavyweight Championship. Much more interesting than Rollins and Nakamura. That's just my opinion. So we go to the tag team match. Viking Raiders, Drew McIntyre, Matt Riddle. This was a tornado tag team match. This is stemming from something that happened last week where the New Day got fucked over because Drew McIntyre inadvertently threw a chair at Xavier Woods, costing the New Day a match against the Viking Raiders. So they're clearly teasing a McIntyre heel turn. And I kind of figured that several weeks ago when he was teaming with Matt Riddle and he was acting a little too babyface-ish. And I thought it was just not very Drew McIntyre-like. Now we start to see what's going on here and he's just slowly becoming agitated and he's making these mistakes and he doesn't really seem all that remorseful, Drew McIntyre. And I quite like it because I think this is the change that he absolutely needs. I mean, a babyface Drew McIntyre has done it all on Monday night. We don't need to see that anymore. What else is there for him to do? I think a heel turn would give Monday Night Raw exactly what it needs, a dominating presence at the top and somebody that could easily go after a Cody or a Seth Rollins. And I think that's the right move for him to make. The Viking Raiders were in control. And there were tables involved. This was a Texas Tornado match, so anything goes. So we got a commercial break, and back from commercial break, the Vikings here avoided a superplex attempt by dragging the table that was set up by McRiddle here. Away from McIntyre. That's not really their name. That's just exactly, that's what I'm calling them, McRiddle. So... He quickly regained control and tried to finish Ivar with a Claymore kick, did McIntyre, but Eric dragged Ivar out of the ring. So both of the Raiders jumped McIntyre outside, but McIntyre easily regained control here and threw Ivar over the announce table as Eric was given an overhead belly-to-belly suplex. Eric came back and splashed McIntyre as they attempted to drive McIntyre through the table. But Riddle re-entered and made the save. Riddle set up Eric on the table, went to the top rope, but Valhalla distracted Riddle long enough for the Viking Raiders to recover. Kofi Kingston comes out and interjects himself in this thing, trying to help Matt Riddle and Drew McIntyre, and it completely backfires. Kofi Kingston came out, for the save and accidentally laid out Riddle with a trouble in paradise. So he messed up. Then they pinned Riddle after they delivered a Ragnarok through the table on Matt Riddle. One, two, three, and the Viking Raiders get the victory. McIntyre was not happy about this loss at all, and he stared a hole into Kofi Kingston after the match was over. Another thing I'm very intrigued by here, how they are slowly changing Drew McIntyre from 
the light to the dark. He's joining the dark side soon. I like it. This is a move that desperately needs to be made. Some nice, slow, long-term booking for Drew McIntyre. This is the most interested I've been in Drew McIntyre in several, several, several months. There's nothing for him to do. He got the match with Sheamus. He got the match with Gunther. And nothing since then has gone right for Drew McIntyre. He just seems like a boring, plain, vanilla babyface on WWE programming. A change to the dark side will do him wonders. I'm telling you right now. And that's exactly where they're going. Seth Rollins. He comes out and he's about to address the crowd and Shinsuke Nakamura. He talked about beating Nakamura at Payback, and he laughed as he celebrated his victory. He said there's one thing that hasn't been sitting right with him the last two days. He said he won, but Nakamura was able to walk out of the building while he was pushed out of the arena by his wife. He said he wanted to right some wrongs, and he called Nakamura to the ring. I'm going to make your dreams come true, he said. Nakamura's music played, and he comes on out. Seth told him to come to the ring. Nakamura did not come to the ring. Seth told him he wants to get him in the ring again, so he will give him another title match tonight. Nakamura starts speaking in Japanese, and he got the, What? What? From the crowd, per usual, Seth said he assumed he just accepted the title match, so come to the ring. Seth clearly doesn't speak Japanese because Nakamura said no. This is where I was visibly confused. So, let me get this straight. This this is what I don't understand. Unless I'm reading it wrong which I don't think I am, which I'll get to in a second. This is why I'm visibly confused. Nakamura main events payback against Seth Rollins for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. They go 26 minutes or so in the main event on Saturday. Nakamura loses clean, and we come to Monday Night Raw, and the champion wants to give the challenger that he just beat clean on Saturday a rematch for the World Heavyweight Championship, and the challenger, Nakamura, is saying no. I don't know why anybody in that instance put yourself in Nakamura's shoes. Why would you decline a championship match from a champion who just beat you clean For a rematch. I don't really understand that logic. Now, let me get back to the point that I'm trying to make where I said, maybe I'm reading it wrong. I don't think I'm reading it wrong, but that just sounds fucking stupid. That just sounds ridiculous. Now, maybe Nakamura is saying no because he wants to get Rollins so riled up and wants to get underneath his skin and get in his mind, whereas... Before this, he already had gotten in Rollins' mind because he knows what Rollins' weakness is. Now he wants to double down on that 
and get him more riled up and make him more weak. Maybe Nakamura right now is playing nothing but mind games by saying no. I could be wrong, I could be right, but still, at the end of the day, if you lost a match on Saturday and the champion comes back on Monday and offers you a rematch and you say no, don't you think that sounds fucking stupid? Because it sounds fucking stupid to me. I don't know. Everybody was confused. Seth was confused. The crowd was confused. Seth said, well, I'm clocked in, so whether like whether Nakamura likes it or not, I'm going to get a fight. So Rollins charged at Nakamura. They brawled in the entrance area. Security separated them, and Ricochet comes out to help, and Nakamura kicks Seth from behind as Adam Pearce and everybody else is trying to separate these two in the aisleway. Adam Pearce then yells at Seth backstage, He yelled that he's trying to help him help himself and not let him run himself into the ground. Seth said that doesn't work for him at all and walked away. I don't know what they're doing here, man. I really really don't know where they're going with this. On one hand, you would think Rollins is going to be the world champion going into WrestleMania season. How bad is his back fucked up? That's the question. Is his back going to be okay and in one piece to get him through Fastlane, Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, Elimination Chamber, and then WrestleMania? I mean, we are how many months out? Eight months out from WrestleMania? Is he going to be okay to make it through the next eight months? Or is WWE prepping a storyline where Rollins is going to try and do too much and Rollins is going to end up beating himself because he doesn't know when to quit. But is Nakamura the guy? I don't know. This is a very interesting situation. On one hand, I want to see Rollins and Gunther at WrestleMania because I think Gunther should be the one to end Rollins if Rollins is going to go away for a little bit. That just sounds like a very poetic way to end it. On the other hand... Do we really want to see Shinsuke Nakamura as the world's heavyweight champion when we all know that he's nothing more than a transitional champion at that point? I don't know. It's going to be a very interesting top of the card going into the fall for WWE, man. I got more questions than I got answers. But Rollins right now looks like he may be beating himself by trying to do too much. Shinsuke Nakamura, ricochet. We got a match between these two, went 10 minutes. This is not the first time we've seen these two in the ring. And I didn't really care about it because how many times before have we seen this? Just another rematch on Monday Night Raw. Ricochet beats Nakamura by DQ because of Seth Rollins. He's trying to do too much. So Nakamura was in control. He did a suplex off the turnbuckle. To Ricochet. Ricochet gained control after a commercial break. And he hit a standing shooting star press. He goes to the top for a 450. But Nakamura dodged and moved out of the way. Ricochet then hits a recoil for a 1-2 kick out. Nakamura cut Ricochet off with a knee. But Ricochet cut Nakamura off pretty quickly. And hit a running senton off the apron to the floor. Nakamura dodged it. They fought near the barricade where Nakamura hit Ricochet with a steel chair. 
and got disqualified. After the match, Nakamura wrapped the steel chair around Ricochet's neck, but Rollins ran in for the save, throwing out security who attempted to stop him in the ring. Rollins then launched out of the ring with a big tope, knocking Nakamura down. Nakamura quickly recovered and drove Rollins back first into the steel steps with Ricochet using a chair to drive Nakamura away from Rollins. That was basically it. Now, Judgment Day, we're watching this from the back. And this is where the wild card comes into play. I don't know, like I said before, I don't know what they're doing with Rollins and Ricochet and Rollins and Nakamura. And I don't know how badly Rollins' back is fucked up. I I don't know. I don't know. But I said this on Saturday. I'm going to reiterate it again for you guys here tonight. I I don't feel like Rollins is having a good go as the world's heavyweight champion. He started off as somebody that I felt deserved the world championship. He did more to help others around him than WWE did to help to help him. They put him in that match at the pay-per-view in Saudi earlier in the year against AJ Styles. He won the tournament. He won the world championship. That was great. I don't think there was anybody better for the role then than Seth Rollins, but... In typical Seth Rollins fashion, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's him. It can't be him and his in-ring ability because Rollins is a fantastic pro wrestler. I'm not taking that away from him. But it's definitely the way he's presented on TV. It's his character work that really kind of falls flat. It starts off up here and then it slowly just decreases Week after week after week after week. I I don't really look at Rollins the same anymore, man. It's like that new car smell that goes away very quickly. And it's just like everything else. I don't know how how else to describe it. Maybe I'm just overthinking it. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Rollins, to me, does not feel like the world champion we need anymore. And with the injury and the looming back problems that they're teasing, I mean, is it time to take the championship off of him? Does it go to Nakamura? Or does Damian Priest cash in the briefcase and win the World Heavyweight Championship, giving Judgment Day legitimately every fucking championship in the WWE outside the Intercontinental and United States Championships? I don't think people would mind that. I don't think people would mind that. Maybe they're setting up Damian Priest to cash in. Maybe. I have no idea. Looks like Judgment Day's back on the same page. They should be. They won the tag team titles. J.D. McDonough is proving them right. He's helping them. They're stronger than ever. So why would Damian Priest cash in And have anybody get jealous of him? I mean, they own every belt on Raw. Outside the IC title at that point. Is that where they're going with this? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But Priest and Ripley were watching everything happen with Seth Rollins backstage. 
And they were looking at the scenario, and Damian Priest said, no, not tonight. Not tonight. Zoe Stark. They showed footage of Zoe Stark and Trish Stratus from the great steel cage match with Becky Lynch at Payback on Saturday. Zoe Stark, in a backstage interview, said her partnership with Trish is over. She said Trish taught her a lot, and her performance on Saturday showed she's one of the greatest of all time, but it doesn't matter if you're a Hall of Famer. Nobody pushes her around. So, Sonya Deville walked in, and Sonya Deville is injured. She is, oh, not Sonya Deville. What the fuck is Sonya Deville? Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler walked in. And um, she walked in and basically looked at Zoe Stark. And she said she was happy to see what she did on Saturday to Trish Stratus. Calling her dead weight. She said she wishes she did it sooner. Stark said they had some unfinished business. And she challenged her to a match tonight to see who the baddest woman in WWE is. And... Shayna Baszler accepted the challenge. So there she is. Shayna Baszler versus Zoe Stark. Sounds like an NXT match to me. No, I, I don't know why I said Sony Deville. I don't know why I said Sony Deville. Uh, Judgment Day. That's where my mind is with the women's division. Sony's not back. No, Sony's injured. She's going to be out for about nine months. Judgment Day. They're in the middle of the ring. Damian Priest is in the middle of the ring. And they are all dripping with gold. Dominic began to talk. And the fans. My God, man. There are some gullible motherfuckers on social media. There are some gullible people online, man. I dare anybody to go back and watch this Judgment Day segment. Seriously. Dominic was speaking, and you physically heard the WWE manipulate the volume of the crowd. When Dominic spoke, it's, it's almost like it sounded like when somebody raises the volume on, on the booze. It, it sounded like this. That's exactly what it sounded like. I don't know what people are thinking about when they listen to Dominic and the Judgment Day speak, but WWE is absolutely manipulating the volume for Dominic Mysterio's promos. I don't give a shit what anybody says. I got people online sending me live clips of the fans in attendance booing Dominic Mysterio. I'm not telling you that Dominic isn't getting genuine heel heat. I'm telling you that WWE is manipulating how much heat you're hearing when you're watching it on TV. I don't think you guys are lying. I understand that Dominic gets heel heat when he's in the building. But WWE manipulates what you hear on television. That's what they do. This is what it sounds like. 
somebody sounds like they're raising the volume and quickly shutting it off. Raising it and quickly shutting it off. Nobody seems to understand that. They don't think I understand what I'm watching and hearing on my own fucking television. I got a 66-inch television in my fucking living room. I'm watching this with surround sound on every fucking week. You don't think I see in here what the fuck is going on? It's lame. It's fucking lame. You don't see AEW manipulating crowd reactions for Don Callis and Konosuke Takeshita when they come on out, right? Give me a fucking break. They don't do any manipulating with the audience for their biggest heels. MJF never needed manipulation for his heel work. Why do they got to do it for Dominic Mysterio? Because it's not cool unless it's fucking on decibel 11. It's fucking lame. It's ridiculous. So they're out there dripping in gold. Balor congratulated Dom on his one-year anniversary since joining the Judgment Day. He thanked Rhea Ripley for being a great voice of reason in the Judgment Day. He turned to Priest and said, despite their differences in recent weeks, they're standing there as tag team champions. Balor then thanked J.D. McDonough for always having his back the last 20 years. Priest rolled his eyes at that. Balor said he wanted to congratulate himself for his latest milestone, becoming a Grand Slam champion. Ripley then takes the microphone and said how they're all family and all are having huge success. She said something is bothering her, though. She said everyone is talking about Jay coming to Raw and how it'll affect the bloodline. She said the Judgment Day has risen to be the most dominant faction in WWE. As Priest began to talk about all this gold that Judgment Day owns, J.D. McDonough comes out and joins the Judgment Day. Priest said a small part of him was starting to like him. He says what he has to say better be good. McDonough says he took a bullet for them at payback, so they should at least let him explain why he's out there. McDonough entered the ring and said that Judgment Day needs to make big changes. He told Priest that the briefcase has to go. Now, J.D. McDonough said in the past that the briefcase was driving a split between him and Finn Balor. The briefcase needs to go. He says they have all the gold, so they don't need that briefcase anymore. He produced from a sack he was carrying. He had a black sack with him. He pulls a purple briefcase out of the sack that says, Senor, money in the bank. Priest handed over the generic green money in the bank briefcase he was holding in exchange for this one. And it looked like Damian Priest finally started to accept J.D. McDonough. Sami Zayn walks out. Gentlemen and Dom, he says. You're all feeling pretty good about yourselves. He says it took all five of them to rob him and Kevin Owens of their tag team titles. He says they're not going to let this one slide. He says he doesn't see five giants in the ring, but rather five championship-stealing turds. 
He says a very special beating is owned is is owed to Dom, who cost them their tag team titles. He called them the biggest turd of all. Dominic. Dominic asked, Sammy, where's your title? Sammy asked Dom to accept his challenge for a match tonight. J.D. McDonough stepped up and offered himself a match with Sammy instead of any of the Judgment Day because he also screwed Sammy Zayn out of the tag team championships. Sammy said nobody deserves a bigger ass kicking than him, so he'll get it tonight. Now, what I'm genuinely concerned about, and you can fucking quote me on this, you could fucking bookmark this, you can copy this down, timestamp it, whatever you want. You don't think WWE is going to do Sammy, KO, and Jay Uso now against the Judgment Day. Another random tag team partner, a revolving door of tag team partners in the interim against any members of the Judgment Day. Give me a fucking break. I don't give a shit about Jay Uso and the Judgment Day. Jay Uso has nothing to do with the Judgment Day. Why is the bloodline on Raw worried about Jay Uso, who's not in the bloodline? Why are they worried about Jay Uso solo on this show? This doesn't make any sense. Why are you preoccupying yourself with what Jay Uso is going to do as far as bloodline business? He doesn't want to be a part of bloodline business. He is not in the bloodline. All this said to me was Jay Uso is going to get dragged into this shit so WWE could suck out another fucking six weeks of random matches with the Judgment Day. I'm not here for it. I don't want it. I don't care about it. It's fucking lame and it's lazy. That's all I've seen. Or maybe, maybe Jay Uso gets involved with war games. I don't know. Would WWE have the balls? Now, everybody's thinking war games. I'm thinking war games. I'm thinking how they're going to do war games. Is it going to be four on four? Is it going to be five on five, right? What are we doing for war games? Would WWE have the balls to put Rhea Ripley in a men's war games match? Would they have the balls? to put Rhea Ripley in a men's war games match. It's very, very interesting, very intriguing uh, idea. Because right now, if J.D. McDonough joins Judgment Day, then that makes four men and one woman. J.D. McDonough, Finn Balor, Dominic Mysterio, and Damian Priest. You could do a four-on-four war games. You could absolutely do a four-on-four war games. But then who does Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens get to be on their side. Jay Uso, maybe. Then they need one more. Who's that one more going to be? I don't know. I don't know. I don't have any right idea of who that person could be. Now, let's omit Jay Uso for a second. Let's omit Jay Uso for a second. If Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are going to continue their battle against the Judgment Day, they're clearly going to need backup. The two perfect men to battle the Judgment Day alongside Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. 
DIY. And the reason I say this is because they all are cut from the same cloth. I think that would be a great introduction for Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa back to Monday Night Raw to team with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens to back them up against the Judgment Day. Four on four in war games with those eight men sounds like a damn good idea to me. Now, if you want to include Jay Uso, Judgment Day is going to need a fifth. Who's going to be the fifth? Unless WWE, like I said, has the balls to put Rhea Ripley in a men's war games match, which I think would pop the crowd big. I don't know. Cody? Cody's probably going to be moving to SmackDown via the trade. Who else is going to be moving to SmackDown via the trade for Jay Uso? Are they going to move uh, Von Wagner? Who are they going to move? Apollo Crews? It's got to be someone of equal value. You're not going to move Jay Uso from the bloodline on SmackDown to Raw for fucking Odyssey Jones. It's not going to happen. It's got to be someone of equal or greater value to SmackDown, and Cody makes the most sense. If WWE truly wants to finish the story, it's got to be Cody, and he's got to find his way over there somehow. This War Games situation, now War Games is not really confirmed yet, but I'm already thinking ahead that WWE is going to be doing War Games. It doesn't make sense for them not to. They did it last year, why not do it this year? We're not going to go backwards for Survivor Series. We're not going to go to brand versus brand. We're not going to go champion versus champion. That shit sucks. Nobody wants to see that. That that just puts WWE in a creative fucking hellhole. War Games is going to be a thing. Now, maybe, maybe in a perfect world, William Regal had a non-compete for a year. Maybe WWE gives William Regal the opportunity to announce War Games on live television between both of these teams. I don't know. There's no better person to do that than William Regal. And who should go and request that to be done? Somebody that William Regal and... NXT worked with Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. I think that would be fucking unbelievable, to be quite honest with you. I don't know, man. I'm just thinking ahead. I'm fantasy booking here, but Kevin Owens, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are going to need backup against Judgment Day. Who those backup or who that backup is, who those men are, I don't know. Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano sound like a perfect plan, if you ask me. We got Gunther standing in front of a white background and he cut a promo in the camera and he was speaking in German for a little bit and he basically shit on Chad Gable. He said he thinks Chad Gable thinks he can stand in the way of his legacy, but he will not. He says his little fairy tale story is temporary. He says his legacy will be forever. He said he'll go on after tonight, as the longest reigning and greatest intercontinental, intercontinental champion in WWE history. Shayna Baszler made a ring entrance, and as she was doing that, we got a backstage segment with Raquel Rodriguez. She approached Adam Pearce backstage and asked if they were on the same page. He says he's working on her suggestion and trying to make it official. Rodriguez left and Chelsea Green walked in 
She complains that Adam Pierce might not have gotten her text message. She said she's a future Hall of Famer. Yeah, right. And she doesn't want to wait in line behind a Sasquatch like Raquel Rodriguez. Pierce said Piper Niven isn't medically cleared. Uh Uh-oh. They just gave Piper Niven a free tag team championship, and she's already injured. What happened there? Green asked if Pierce is saying the women's tag team titles are cursed. They are. Pierce implied that it might be Chelsea Green and not the belts that are cursed. Pierce then revealed to Green that he booked a match between Green and Rodriguez because Raquel Rodriguez heard Chelsea Green call her a Sasquatch. She walked on in and said, okay, that's what you want to do. I'll see you in the ring later. There you go. Piper Niven, by the way, isn't medically cleared. It's not a serious injury. Sean Ross Sapp reported tonight on Fightful Select that Piper Niven is dealing with a minor illness, and she will, she will hopefully be back in a week or two. That's it. So no reason to get concerned. No reason to drop the titles. No reason to strip her of the championship. She will be back in a week or two. Zoe Stark against Shayna Baszler, not Sonya Deville. Shayna Baszler. This went nine minutes. Wasn't really all that bad at all. And Shayna Baszler actually put over Zoe Stark in this match tonight. Not bad. Baszler targeted Zoe Stark's right arm and started to really work that over. As that became the story in the match, Baszler went for a Kirafuda clutch. Zoe escaped. The two ladies ended up on the outside where Baszler went for the Kirafuda clutch again, but Zoe Stark shoved Baszler's back into the announce table and leapt off with a plancha to the floor. So we got a commercial break. We're back in the ring. Stark came back with a German suplex after Shayna was in control. Stark went for what looked to be her finish, the Z360, but could not get it done due to her hand. The crowd uh, was not very lively for this at all. Baszler ended up catching Zoe Stark in the Kirafuda clutch. Zoe attempted to fight off the submission. She tried to roll through it. She tried to stand up, but Shayna was too much for Zoe Stark as she locked it in again, and she finally tapped out to Shayna Baszler. After the match, Zoe got back to her feet. Shayna Baszler seemed to respect Zoe and told her that she put up more of a fight than Ronda Rousey ever did. The two fist bumped in a show of respect. Now, I don't know what that means, and I don't know if that's going to get, you know, any brownie points with Zoe Stark and the fan base, but, you know, it looked to be a nice gesture, but I don't know how likely it is that Zoe is going to get over with this audience. You know, a lot of NXT talent, they said this when I was watching NXT and reviewing Black and Gold, And then when some of the talent there that should have succeeded on the main roster failed, a lot of people were telling me, well, some of these indie midgets aren't going to translate to the main roster. Not everyone's going to get over. Now, that wasn't necessarily true. As we all know, Vince McMahon was killing the talent purposely because he didn't like NXT at the time. Now, everybody's all about NXT because it's the cool thing to watch. 
and WWE promotes it, and they're sending main roster talent down there and all this other fucking bullshit. Zoe Stark is a great pro wrestler. I'm not taking anything away from Zoe Stark. But Zoe Stark isn't translating to the main roster audience. Neither is Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler never translated. It's just the type of wrestler that they are. The type of wrestler that Shayna Baszler is, the type of wrestler that Zoe Stark is, is not going to get over. They're not flashy. They're two ladies that don't really have a lot of charisma. There's no character there. They're just bland. They're great at what they do. Shayna is a great wrestler. Zoe Stark is a great wrestler. But outside that, there is nothing there that's going to pique the people's interest. And Zoe's not getting over. They tried by putting her in a program with Trish Stratus. Who doesn't love Trish Stratus? It didn't work. It went on too long. The story was fucking awful. Trish was a terrible heel. And Zoe never got over. She was nothing more than a sidekick that basically took losses on the way to Becky getting her hands on Trish. That's all it was. Zoe's not getting over. The experiment of Zoe, as far as I'm concerned, on the main roster is, is failing. No matter how high Triple H and Shawn Michaels are on Zoe Stark, it's not working. Something needs to be done there. Something needs to be tweaked. What it is, I don't know. But the crowd reactions should speak volumes. Nobody gives a shit. Finn Balor was backstage. He said maybe it was time for JD. Yeah, I'll, I'll join Judgment Day. I'll join Judgment Day. He says maybe it's time for JD to join the Judgment Day. JD McDonough to join the Judgment Day, which we all know is going to happen. Damian Priest said, listen, McDonough still has to prove himself. Balor says they might not be tag team champions, though, if it's not for J.D. McDonough. Priest asked Dominic for his thoughts. Dominic was basically... But Dominic basically played the role of someone who's fucking smoking a joint and drinking, uh, you know, a nice cold beverage, and he's laying back. Yeah, I don't give a fuck what you guys do, man. I'll go along with whatever you do. It's basically what Dominic was doing. I'll go along with whatever you guys decide to do. So he says he's okay with whatever they decide. He then looked over at Rhea Ripley and asked, Mommy, what do you think? Ripley says they should see how he does tonight against Sami Zayn. Priest and Balor left. Ripley says she has to be sure everything with McDonough goes according to plan. So she wants Dominic to make sure that he looks good out there against Sami Zayn. Raquel Rodriguez, she gets her match with Chelsea Green. Two minutes, nothing worth talking about here. The only thing worth talking about is that WWE is giving Raquel Rodriguez a rematch against Rhea Ripley next week for the World Women's Championship. And Judgment Day are banned from ringside, or Dominic is at least banned from ringside. That doesn't mean the other members of Judgment Day aren't banned. So if Dominic is banned, then that means Finn Balor can come in and interfere or Damian Priest or J.D. McDonough can do something to help Rhea Ripley win her match against Raquel. But they're doing that match next week and they think it's some sort of big deal against week one of the NFL for Monday Night Football. 
Nobody gives a shit about Raquel Rodriguez and Rhea Ripley. No matter what you do, nothing will sway you from watching Monday Night Football next week. This match will get lost in translation. Chad Gable, Otis, and Maxine were backstage. Gable said, Gunther said a guy like him doesn't belong in the history books. He says he's already in the history books as an Olympian with a master's degree. He says he's also won the tag team titles, but he'll show everyone he's more than a tag team specialist. Said Gunther and his desire to hang onto that title doesn't compare to his desire to take it from him. Drew McIntyre. This was interesting. Drew McIntyre was backstage. He was yelling at Kofi Kingston. Riddle told him to calm down. Drew said he gave Jay a pass, but he's going to watch every move he makes, and if he messes up, he'll deal with the guy who brought him here, Cody Rhodes. Now, this is an interesting development. Jay Uso is already making enemies, like I said earlier, on Monday Night Raw with his uh, trade to Monday Night Raw via Cody Rhodes using his political pull. McIntyre doesn't give a shit about Jay Uso because of his history with the bloodline. Matt Riddle doesn't give a shit about Jay Uso because of his history with the bloodline. Nobody's going to find anything positive about Jay Uso right now, no matter how well-liked he is by the audience. McIntyre said, if nobody's going to take care of Jay Uso, nobody's going to watch him, going to watch every movie he makes, and if he messes up here... I'm going to take it out on the guy who brought him here, and that's Cody Rhodes. So they are teasing McIntyre turning heel and potentially going after Cody Rhodes. Now, we don't know if that's going to be a thing because, in my honest opinion, I genuinely believe Cody's the best fit for this trade. If Cody gets traded to SmackDown, How is Drew McIntyre going to be the one to focus on Cody Rhodes and take it out on Cody if he's moved to SmackDown? I don't know. So we will see what happens there, but this is all nicely rolling along in the let's turn Drew McIntyre heel playbook. I'm liking what I'm seeing here. I'm liking what I'm hearing. Kofi walked in and he apologized to Drew McIntyre. Drew says he's suspicious that Cody hitting Riddle was on purpose to get back at them for what happened last week when he threw the chair at Xavier Woods. said the odds of that happening are slim, so he's keeping an eye on things. Drew walked away, and Drew is growing very agitated as the weeks go on. Miz TV. Now, Miz lost to... L.A. night at Payback on Saturday. And we got a Miz TV segment here, and he's in the ring, and he's discussing what happened on Saturday. He said he did not lose at Payback. He says he was robbed and victimized for exposing L.A. night for who he really is. He says his guest promised to be completely transparent. Ha-ha. He introduced John Cena. So John Cena's music played. They showed the fans reacting all excited. Oh, man. Oh, man. We got Charlotte, North Carolina. 
excited about John Cena. Cena did not come out. Michael Cole says, I can't see him. No shit. Miz pretended Cena came out. And he sat in his chair with a microphone and he interviewed an empty chair. He says he messed up at payback and he screwed him over. So he's interviewing John Cena because you can't see him. Miz says it feels weird. He asks fans, can you see him? You can't see him. You can't see John Cena. He's sitting right here next to me. Miz says he understands what's going on. He says he's been able to see right through John Cena, so allow him to do them all a favor and translate for Cena, who is sitting in this chair right next to me. Miz asked if Knight paid him or offered him a job during these hard times. He asked if he purposely screwed him over. Miz told the fans to nod their heads and not chant, yeah, to any of his questions because they started chanting, yeah, after everything Miz said. Miz asked again, and he asked the invisible Cena if he conspired with LA Knight. He told Cena since he admitted that, he needs to get out of the ring. So he got angry, and he told the invisible John Cena to get out of the ring Miz pretended Cena took a swing at him. Miz pretended to take a swing at John Cena. And then Miz gave the skull-crushing finale to an invisible John Cena. He then stood over the invisible Cena. And he said, nothing is imaginary about what happened to him at Payback. He then challenged LA Knight to a one-on-one rematch with him without a special guest referee or surprises. He says if he accepts, he'll find out whose game it really is. He said the chants are going to end and LA Knight will fade away. He said Knight's chances at success are as invisible as John Cena in this ring. He says his dreams will come crashing down by him because I'm the Miz and I'm awesome. I said on social media that I was pretty much done tweeting about this show after this segment until Gunther and Chad Gable hit the ring. Now, I'm not seven years old. I'm not a child. I found none of this humorous. I found none of this entertaining. I found none of this anywhere exciting. As the geeks on social media found this. I found this immature. I found this unfunny. I found this cringe. I found this painfully unfunny. People are ridiculously just over the moon when Miz is in the ring cutting a promo. And if you go against that on social media, there is a certain pocket of fans that don't really understand how you can criticize The Miz doing a segment like this. I did not find this funny. I mean, maybe if you're a fucking child sitting in the front row, maybe you found this funny. (laughs) He's an invisible John Cena. Look, Ma, you can't see him. 
No, you want me as a grown man to find this funny and laugh like some fucking geek online. So I go online to all my fucking Twitter idiots and positively tweet, Oh, look! Look at Mizzy! Skull-crushing finale on an invisible John Cena! The Miz is the GOAT! Fucking ridiculous. What are you all, children? We got Miz in the feud with L.A. Knight giving a skull-crushing finale to an invisible John Cena as they play up the fact that you can't see him. Wow, man. That's an Emmy fucking performance there by The Miz. An Academy Award-winning fucking script on Monday Night Raw. Garbage. Don't know why we need another match. John Cena shouldn't have been the special guest referee in the first place. I said this on Saturday. This was one and done. The fuck do we need another match for? So LA Knight loses and the Miz gets his win back? He's already proved himself. We don't need to do it again. The match even was the match on Saturday wasn't even that good. Adam Pierce, he's backstage. He sees Jay Uso, and he told Jay that he's sure, he's sure that he's noticed not everyone is happy that he's here. He said SmackDown is getting a fair compensation for his arrival, and he said, depending on who it is, it could piss some people off. Tommaso Ciampa then walked into Adam Pearce's office and asked if they can continue their talk. Is Tommaso Ciampa the one being moved to SmackDown? I hope not. I'm going with Cody Rhodes. Sami Zayn versus J.D. McDonough. This was the match that was made earlier in the night. And J.D. McDonough is sticking up for the Judgment Day and taking another bullet for his potential stablemates. So we get the bell, and these two wrestle for a couple of minutes. They're on the outside. McDonough was posted by Sami Zayn on the steel post. Go to commercial break. Zayn was on the defensive McDonough was in control. Zayn fought out of a submission and clotheslined McDonough down. Zayn hit a Michinoku driver for a near fall. Zayn then gave McDonough an exploder into the ring post. He went for the Hiluva kick. Dominic Mysterio dragged McDonough out of the ring. Zayn beat up Mysterio, but again, the Judgment Day numbers were too much for Sami Zayn. As Mysterio distracted Zayn briefly on the outside, allowing McDonough to roll up Zayn and hook the tights for the one, two, three. Zayn then attacked Mysterio after the match. He went for the Heluva kick, but McDonough dragged Zayn out of the ring and told Mysterio to escape. Zayn then targeted McDonough, giving him the Heluva kick instead. And basically, Zayn got his revenge on McDonough, but... Dominic didn't do anything to save McDonough, but the job was done. He helped McDonough get the win over Sami Zayn, and that's the only thing that the Judgment Day wanted. He beat Sami Zayn, and he looks good in front of the Judgment Day. They showed a replay of the interactions between Becky Lynch and Tiffany Stratton at Payback on Saturday. Looks like Becky Lynch will be challenging Tiffany Stratton for the NXT Women's Championship very soon. I think that's fucking ridiculous. And I think that's incredibly lame. And I will say this. 
You can fucking bookmark this. You want to post it on social media. You want to fucking blast me as a, a, a hater. Go ahead, man. I'm going to call it out the way that I see it. I don't think Becky Lynch needs to be down on NXT to challenge any of the women down there. I think it's fucking pathetic. I think it's desperate. Now, they're claiming that Becky Lynch never won the NXT Women's Championship. And I find it painfully fucking, you know, I, I, I find it just painfully awful to look at WWE the way that they handle somebody like Becky Lynch. And the same thing goes for Charlotte Flair. They don't have the creative capacity to book them in a storyline with anybody else that is on a lower level than them. And they always try and find ways to put them in championship matches, whether it's on Raw or on SmackDown or in this case, NXT. Becky Lynch has nobody to feud with on Monday Night Raw. And they don't understand how ridiculous it looks. WWE cannot book Becky Lynch in a regular feud. Every time she's in a regular feud, it's with somebody that's a Trish Stratus or a fucking legend. They can't book her in a regular feud. It's either got to be someone of equal value or a championship match. They are lost when they can't put Becky Lynch in a regular feud. Or in a championship match, rather. They're lost. It's ridiculous. If she's not in a championship match, WWE doesn't know what to do with Becky Lynch. It's fucking lame. Same thing goes for Charlotte Flair. They don't know what to do with Charlotte Flair when she's in a regular match. They don't have the fucking creative capacity to book these women in regular feuds. This is why I've been saying for years, the women's divisions do not need two championships. They don't. It's never worked. It will never work. And you're going to get the same shit over and over again with the company making the same fucking mistakes. If the divisions were won, then Becky Lynch would have feuds for days. Now, now you look at that Monday Night Raw roster. She's already ran through Zoe Stark. Shayna Baszler versus Becky Lynch doesn't sound like an interesting proposition for Vince McMahon to put on his television show. Becky Lynch versus Raquel Rodriguez. Becky Lynch versus Liv Morgan. None of that sounds good. WWE doesn't have the creative capacity to book Becky Lynch against anybody on the lower end of the totem pole. It's either a championship match or nothing. And they're not going to give you Becky Lynch versus Rhea Ripley. It's disgusting. Dominic was with J.D. McDonough backstage chatting. Balor congratulated McDonough on his win. Dom says, listen, guys, I'll be right back in a second. He walks over. He sees Jey Uso. He says he knows they both come from messed up families and Hall of Fame fathers. So he relates to what he's doing and what he's going through. Jay laughed and asked if he really does. Yeah, you, you really understand what I'm going through, Uso? Dom says nobody likes him just like nobody likes Jay. He said if he wants, he'll go talk to his new family and make sure they're always there with open arms for him. He says they know what it's like. He told him to think about it. Jay looked like he was willing to listen and possibly think about joining the Judgment Day. I don't think that's going to happen at all. I think Jay's going to be uh, a solo on Monday Night Raw. Main event. 
We got Gunther against Chad Gable in the main event for the WWE Intercontinental Championship. There were a lot of people, a lot of people, including me, that were very upset that this match did not make the pay-per-view. It did not make the pay-per-view. Now, why didn't it make the pay-per-view? According to Sean Ross Sapp and Fightful Select, WWE did not want to put this match on payback because it wanted it to stand on its own. It did not want this match to be overshadowed by everything else. And WWE did not want to go against what their current initiative is for PLEs, and that is quality over quantity. They don't want the pay-per-views to be overbearing. They don't want to have the pay-per-views overstay their welcome. So WWE didn't put this match on the pay-per-view where it actually should have been because they didn't want it to be overshadowed by anything else on the show. And there were a couple of bangers on that show, I'm not going to lie, but, I mean, if you're putting Shad Gable and Gunther on payback, it probably wouldn't have been a 7.5, 8 out of 10 instead of a 6.5. It was a decent show. It was more like a, a big Monday Night Raw show or it seemed like a glorified house show on a PLE, but Shad Gable and Gunther, they would have absolutely been given 20... 25 minutes potentially to go out there and do their thing. That's the platform that they should be on. So they opted to do it in the main event of Monday Night Raw. Now, when you watch the match and you complained about the commercials, that's why people said it should be on pay-per-view and not on Monday Night Raw. We got this match starting around 1045, 1046 Eastern Standard Time, and we got two commercial breaks in a fucking match that started near the last quarter of the show. Like, I, I don't understand that. I mean, we got one commercial break, and then we go right to another commercial break two minutes after we got the first commercial break. Like, what the fuck are we doing? Now, it's a picture-in-picture commercial break, but I don't think that really makes a difference. I mean, you're still not watching the fucking match. Nothing big is going to happen between the commercial breaks. So, I feel like the match should have absolutely been placed on the pay-per-view. I don't know. Maybe we get a fourth match out of it. Maybe we get Chad Gable beating Gunther. I don't know. But this match was great. Whatever we saw of it on TV, this was fucking great. So, we got a quick commercial break. Gable was holding on to Gunther's leg outside the ring. He was working on Gunther's leg until Gunther cut him off. Gunther took Gable down with a huge chop. At the end of this match, Gable's chest was beat red. You started to see the fucking blood clots in Gable's chest. So he chopped him down. We go to a second commercial break. Legitimately, we get back from commercial, and within two minutes, we go right to another commercial break. I don't know why you can't withhold the commercial break. I mean, we're going into the last nine, eight minutes of the show, and you're going to commercial break? That's what I don't understand. Greed. This is why the match should have been on pay-per-view. I can't stand, you know, squeezing out that last commercial break at the end of the fucking show. You're in a fucking championship match, an intercontinental championship match, where the record for the longest reigning intercontinental champion in your company's history is on the line, and you want to take a second commercial break to take away from the match? I don't know, man. As a viewer, I can't stand that. Gable, after the commercial break, 
attempted to go after Gunther's leg again, but Gunther lifted him up for a powerbomb. Both end up tumbling out to the floor. Gable planted Gunther with a German suplex. He threw Gunther back into the ring. Gable gets in. Gunther struck him with a powerbomb for a near fall. Gable hit a superplex, followed up with a flying headbutt. This was a very close near fall. Gable went for the ankle lock. Gunther escaped. Gable tried for the chaos theory. Gunther escaped. Gable hit a back suplex and connected with the chaos theory suplex. Gunther kicked out. This was the closest three count that Gunther has had in his entire reign. Unbelievable. Gable went for the moonsault. Gunther lifted his leg. Gable saw this, caught it, went for the ankle lock. Gunther struggled, but he broke free. He caught Gable in a sleeper. Gable shifted his weight, planted his feet on the floor, pinning Gunther's shoulders down. Gunther had to release the sleeper hold. He kicks out. Gunther hit a sleeper suplex, almost dropping Gable right on his head. Power bomb, and then blasted Gunther with a fucking lariat that turned him inside out, and that was it for the win. Soon as the pin was made, they showed Gable's family sitting at ringside. They showed Gable's daughter sitting at ringside. Gable's daughter was shown crying on camera. And Gunther was given the championship and noted after 35 years, Gunther will break the honky-tonk man's record as the longest reigning intercontinental champion of all time. They showed Gable looking dejected in the ring, and that's the way Monday Night Raw went off the air. I don't know where they go from here, like I said in the beginning of the show. I don't know. Maybe they give Gable another chance, but it will be a fourth chance after he lost clean here tonight with absolutely no interference from Imperium whatsoever. If Gable gets a fourth match, it will be at Fastlane. If Gable gets a fourth match, he wins the Intercontinental Championship. That is if they give him a fourth match. They need to tell us how we're getting there, and they need to make sense how we're getting a fourth match after Gable just lost clean tonight. If Gable does not get a fourth match, Gunther should not lose the Intercontinental Championship to anybody, and he should walk in to WrestleMania as the Intercontinental Champion. If Gunther does not get a fourth match with Chad Gable, Gunther wins the Royal Rumble, he gets a World Championship opportunity against Seth Rollins, or whoever the champion is at WrestleMania, he walks into WrestleMania as the Intercontinental Champion to challenge the World Heavyweight Champion in the main event. And he walks out with both the Intercontinental and World Heavyweight Championships. Only for Monday Night Raw to come where he vacates the Intercontinental Championship. And he retires as the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion ever where no one has defeated him. This is what we need to focus on. Gunther has not been pinned on the main roster. Since he got called up from NXT... He has not been pinned on the main roster. That is the next record that Gunther holds on to. How long can he remain undefeated? That is the plan. That is the goal. Gunther is the priority. This is what needs to be done. I don't give a shit who else you think is on that roster. There's only two guys on that current roster right now on Monday Night Raw that exist. And their names are Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, and neither one of them have been a priority on television. 
There's nobody else. Gunther's beating everybody. He's either beating everybody or nobody's even at a level where they deserve to even utter the words intercontinental champion. This is what needs to be done. But we'll see if Gable gets a fourth match out of it. If he does, he's beating him. Because at that point, he will own the record anyway. So what difference does it make if Gunther loses the championship or not? It doesn't matter. If we want to beat Gunther, if we want to give Gable the championship at Fastlane, Gunther should still win the Royal Rumble. My idea and my proposition for that, my prediction for that is not changing. I'd rather Gunther than Cody. Monday Night Raw was all right. I liked a lot some of the storyline developments on this show. Other than that, it was another ho-hum episode. I mean, you know, it's got its ups and downs. It's got its pros and cons. Monday Night Raw is just an arduous watch for three hours on Monday Night Raw, especially on a Labor Day holiday where they know no one's going to be watching and the rating's going to be low. That's why they saved Gable and Gunther for this show because they know it was a national holiday and everybody's going to be enjoying their last moments of the summer and they wanted people to tune in for a big-time championship match. They should have given them more time, and I really want to see them go at it, balls to the wall. I feel like WWE hasn't even given us a fucking quarter of what Gunther and Gable are capable of in the ring. I mean, they work unbelievable together. They're bread and butter in the ring. They're spaghetti and meat the ball in the ring. I mean, they're just a perfect combo in the ring. Not giving them the platform to tell more of that story and give us a fucking absolute match of the year candidate. I mean, what are we doing? You're shortchanging them. You're shortchanging the IC title and you're shortchanging the fans. Do better. We'll see what happens with Gable. If it's a fourth match, he's winning the title. If not, Gunther should walk into WrestleMania as the Intercontinental Champion and win the World's Heavyweight Championship, as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, guys, I appreciate you uh, joining me on tonight's Monday Night Raw post show. If you enjoyed anything that I have discussed here tonight and you found it enjoyable, I would love if you hit that subscribe button down below, man. We know what we're doing over here. We're one of the top pro wrestling live streams, the top pro wrestling live stream in all the community. Thank you very much for all your support. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. I uploaded one today, man. There was some more CM Punk news. I got news on the soft brand split ending. A meeting that Tony Khan wanted to have with the Elite and CM Punk before All In to sit down and hash things out. And an incident that happened last February with CM Punk and William Regal where Punk went on record to not shake William Regal's hand, tell him he didn't trust him, and call him nothing more than a Triple H stooge. And I'll have more news tomorrow. Apparently, CM Punk was hoping for a WWE run. He was hoping for a return to WWE in the middle of his rehabilitation for his return to AEW. I'll have news on that tomorrow as that news broke today, man. 
this CM Punk news is not going to go away anytime soon. It's not. So go check that stuff out, man. Everything you need is on the homepage. Tonight's show sponsored by my great partners over at BlueChew, BlueChew.com. Make sure you guys go and check them out. The summer's winding down, guys. It's going to be fall before you know it. It's going to be hoodie weather. It's going to be chilly before you know it. Don't let that deter you, man. Keep that heat going in the bedroom, even into the fall and winter months. I always talk about long-term booking, man. Blue Chew is your way into long-term booking. Blue Chew is a unique online service that provides the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. But they come in chewable tablets and come at a fraction of the cost. You guys can take them anytime, day or night. Plan ahead and be ready whenever that opportunity arises. The process is very simple. You sign up at BlueChew.com. Consult with one of their online medical providers, and once you are approved, you're going to receive your prescription within days. No visits to the doctor's office, no visits to the pharmacy, no awkward conversations. Bluetooth tablets are also made in the USA, prepared and shipped directly to you in a very discreet package. So why not give Bluetooth a try, guys? You want that extra confidence? Bluetooth is going to give you exactly that. Sign up, bluechew.com, code JD at checkout, get your free sample. All you have to do is pay the $5, shipping and handling, bluechew.com, code JD. I want to thank them for once again sponsoring the podcast right here on Off The Scripts. Michelle with the $2 Super Chat. Feels like Fastlane will feature rematches. Certainly looks like it. WWE's not going to give you a lot with these B-level pay-per-views. They're going to keep them short. They're going to keep them sweet. And hopefully they build towards Survivor Series being a major show. Vinny with a $4.99. Cody has been MIA on Raw for two weeks. They have absolutely nothing for the biggest babyface in the company. That alone is why he should have beaten Roman. Well, the feud with Brock Lesnar did absolutely nothing to enhance his momentum. This is why I think Cody's being moved over to SmackDown via the trade because there is nothing for him on Monday Night Raw. Nothing. Michelle Moran with a $5 Super Chat. Feels like Cody will be traded to SmackDown soon. And is it me or does McDonough Judgment Day feel like Raw's version of Sammy and the Bloodline? Uh, I could see you thinking that after tonight, but uh, I, I hope it's not too similar. Krauser with a $2 super chat. The longest reigning IC champ, he deserves it. He may go down as the best intercontinental champion of all time. He's just incredible. I love Gorka. Fantasy Kid 1977 with the 20 months in the venue. Thank you, brother. I'll catch the stream tomorrow. I found a place with Grabber Blue Dark Horse. They said that they're selling it for 102k, and I turned it down. I haven't had. I haven't heard a word about my Dark Horse, man. I probably won't get it until next year. 
gives me enough time to save some money, man. So we'll figure that out then. Sean Ray J with 13 months. Great to be a part of the OTS family. I thought tonight's show was pretty good. Lots of story advancement and continuity. The show had life coming out of the PLE. Yeah, well, it wasn't a terrible show, Sean. Uh, I did like some aspects of it, but overall, I always find Monday Night Raw to be a bore and it's short to sit through. It's just the way the show is. It's been like that forever. Beyond the script with a 499. JD Gunther did it. Hell of an effort by Gable. Now let's Gunther, let's get Gunther in the world title picture. P.S. That crowd was awful. Yeah, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina was uh, pretty uh, lifeless tonight. They came alive during that IC title match, though, I'll tell you that. Tribal Chief with a $2 super chat. JD, you think Cody's going to SmackDown? I do. I do think that's the right move to make. Thank you, Tribal Chief. I appreciate your brother. Tony Brown with a 499. JD, are we getting a Shanna Zoe tag team? I hope not. Tribal Chief with the $2 Super Jack got kicked out of a broadcast, JD, because I said OTS. What broadcast did you get kicked out of, brother? Genuinely curious to know who doesn't like the show. I like to keep tabs on people that don't like me. Especially when I know it's nothing more than jealousy. Cameron Battle with a 499. Raw was boring, lacking star power as always, but nonetheless, Gunther should never lose the IC Championship. Also, beat Rollins at WrestleMania 40. I agree. Krauser with the $2 Superjet. Tyler Bate could be built up for Gunther. He falls into the category Krauser along with Ilya Dragunov. I mean, you're not going to bring someone like Tyler Bate up who the crowd doesn't know on the main roster and have him beat Gunther. It's not going to work. Ango blocked you in his chat because you said OTS? Ango is a friend of the show, brother. I got no problem with Ango. Why would Angle block you for saying OTS? Did he block you or just delete the comment? Now, Angle's, Angle, Angle's one of the few people that I w- will work with in the community, man. Angle's actually helped me out uh, a lot. Anytime I have a question about something, Angle's always in the DMs, always. Leia Zimmerman with a $5 super chat. Braun Breaker. No. Braun Breaker's a heel. Sean Ray J with a $10 super chat. I agree with Gunther holding both titles to end Mania Night 1 only if he relinquishes the IC title. Otherwise, we are in for another situation where the titles are held hostage. 
Gunther will win the world title and vacate the IC title on the Raw after Mania setting up a title tournament. Rage, thank you once again for the $100 Super Chat. I really appreciate you. Hopefully you are doing well. Hopefully you are doing very well. And congratulations on 2,700 subs. Ankle break with a $5 Super Chat. Is WWE sublimely telling us the CM Punk run in AEW with Jey Uso story with no one on the roster wanting him there? Maybe my tinfoil hat is too tight. I don't know why you would make a correlation with that, brother. The CM Punk WWE thing is only going to accelerate when we get into Survivor Series, because Survivor Series is in Chicago. And then with the Royal Rumble season coming up, you know, the surprises and the returns, everyone's going to be talking about CM Punk. Vinny with a 499. I get why Gable had to lose to Gunther, but I feel like WWE fails to capitalize on everyone just to feed them to someone with a two to three year title reign. Well, the chat is saying that Gable has already stated he's not done with Gunther. So we may be getting a fourth match. We may be getting a fourth match. And I said, if we if we don't get, I said this very clearly multiple times, then if we don't get a fourth match, Gunther should win the Royal Rumble and go to WrestleMania as the Intercontinental Champion. In the main event, challenging Seth Rollins. If we get a fourth match with Gable, Gable should beat Gunther at Fastlane. That is only if we get Gunther and Gable at Fastlane. Will Chisholm with a $5 super chat. I love how Michael Cole said that Cody used to be an EVP. And he knows how to get this done when it came to Jay Uso coming to Raw. I did hear that. I'm not going to mark out about comments like that because I'm not a mark. That's just Michael Cole doing his job very well. You know, a lot of people are saying CM Punk could end up in the WWE. He wants to be back and blah, blah, blah. I'll say this. I don't know if anybody there wants him back. I know Vince can't stand him. Triple H probably can't stand him. But Triple H knows business. And Triple H wants to do business. And if business hurts AEW, then Triple H is going to do business. That's all I'll say. If bringing CM Punk back hurts AEW business... Triple H is going to do it. Evan Allen with a 999. First ever Super Chat. Love the videos and live streams. What an icy title match. Thank you, Evan. I appreciate you. Hopefully this is not the first time we see you, brother. And what an icy title match, man. They got so much more left in the tank. You ain't seen nothing yet. And what the fuck are you drinking tonight, brother, for becoming a new member? Thank you. Cameron Battle with a 499. The only way I'm expecting Gunther dropping the title to Chad is for Chad Gable to put his career on the line. Well, then that just makes it way too predictable. 
Seth Rollins went on record to say he doesn't want CM Punk back. Seth Rollins doesn't run the company. When has WWE ever given a shit about what that roster feels or thinks? WWE is going to do what's best for business for WWE. And by the time Punk is even discussed about a potential return, WWE is going to be sold to Endeavor. The, 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 the company's not going to be in the hands of the McMahon family anymore. 51% of it is going to be owned by Ari Emanuel and Endeavor. So if Endeavor wants CM Punk in the WWE, then Endeavor is going to get CM Punk in the WWE. It's not up to Vince McMahon anymore. That's something you guys seem to be overlooking. Endeavor's paying the bills. The McMahons are not. If they want to pay Punk, if they want Punk in the WWE, then Punk will be in the WWE. I mean, for Christ's sakes, they they allowed Vince McMahon to stay on. With all the problems that Vince McMahon gave the company, Vince McMahon is still there. Ari Emanuel says he wouldn't have brokered the deal if Vince wasn't a part of it. You think they're going to let CM Punk and a couple of pussies in the locker room who don't like CM Punk be a problem? Yeah, fucking break. Vinny with a 199. Cody isn't getting traded. His booking is moronic. And who's getting traded? Who's getting traded to SmackDown? Phil with a 499. Run it back. I need Gunther versus Gable in a 30-minute Iron Man match at Fastlane. Crazy man event. Gunther needs to win the Rumble and win the world title. Well, he's going to win the world title. I mean, that's just an inevitability. Whether or not he's the IC champion, that remains to be seen. Matt C. with a 499. I turned 21 today. Keep doing your thing, JD and OTS family. Thank you, Matt. And happy fucking birthday, brother. You are now officially old enough to have an adult cold beverage. So I'm going to ask you for your 21st birthday, brother. What the fuck are you drinking? Will Chisholm with a $5 super chat. Thank you, Will Chisholm. Vince has his guy with Roman. Triple H has his guy in Gunther. The ace of WWE. That is a good good assumption there. Will Chisholm. Tiggs with a 199 and a 199. Tig says, JD, you've been bringing me so much enjoyment. Tiggs, you guys bring me so much enjoyment. I wouldn't be here if I didn't have one of the best fan bases in the community, man. You guys show up big every single night, every single time we do this thing. Appreciate you guys very much, man. Hopefully you enjoyed the show tonight. Hopefully you got some substance out of it. Hopefully I made some sense about some of the happenings on Monday Night Raw. But right now, I'm getting some rest, man. I'm sleeping till fucking 11 o'clock tomorrow, man. I got to kick this flu or whatever the fuck I had, man. My voice is shot. My body's aching. I got fucking shit coming out of my nose every other minute. 
trying to beat this thing, man. I want to be right for you guys going into the weekend. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. I appreciate you guys very much for stopping by tonight. One of the last times this year, man, you're going to be seeing the beer garden for the season as the winter and fall months come, as the fall begins to come and those hoodies start coming out of the closets and the leaves start falling off the trees, man, you'll be seeing less of the beer garden for sure. But I appreciate you guys tuning in tonight. Oh, we got another super chat here. We got Phil with a 9.99. I was to thank you for always being there for us when we needed you the most. I've been going through some things lately, and this show and community always lifts me up. Phil, I appreciate that, brother. You guys are there for me, just like you say I am for you. Guys, tomorrow night, TNT episode 12, Andrew Baydala and myself are going to be raging and ranting about CM Punk. It's the first time Drew and I are going to be talking about the termination. It's going to be great, man. Make sure you guys tune in. It's going to be one hell of a show. Make sure you guys tune in to TNT tomorrow night, 8.30. Go check out all the other content on the channel. Plenty of it. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Cameo. Instagram, Twitter, you guys know it. Thank you for the super chats. Hit that thumbs up. Let's try for a thousand likes on today's video. Let me know what you think of Gunther winning the Intercontinental Championship, uh, or retaining, I should say, retaining the championship tonight and breaking the record down in the comments. And I will see you all tomorrow night live for TNT right here on Off The Script. I'll see you guys later.